Building a marketing team is really hard. The hiring market's insane right now, and it's a candidate's market too. Whether you're building your team from scratch, or you just got approval for more headcount, in this episode, we'll cover everything that we've learned from building out our marketing team at Metadata. Demand Gen U is officially in session. Let's do it. So before we even talk about anything on this episode, Jason, I think we're going to include a disclaimer, not for legal purposes, not for anything, but I think I want everyone to know this before anything else is said. There is no magic pill or one size fits all for this topic of how to build a marketing team from scratch. There are so many different factors that contribute to this, some internal, some external, but to think that you're going to find a recipe to go do this on your own, you are listening to the wrong podcast. We good? Yeah, you're, yeah, we're probably going to hear a lot of like, it depends on this one. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, I think, yeah, just be ready. You know, there's going to be a lot of insights, um, but hiring is such a unique motion for every company. You know what I mean? There's some things that are similar and then there's going to be some things that are just like wildly different. So we're going to talk through ours and uh, there'll probably be some corollaries for most people. Yeah, we should have an it depends counter and see how many times we, we say it depends. But, a shot uh, every yeah. time. Oh, oh God. We'll this be, is one uh, of those episodes. No, that's, that's the drunk history episode. No. Uh, sweet. So I think what we're going to do here, this is a little unique because one, this is the first time that, that Jason has built out a team from scratch. We'll get into more about that in a bit, but just know that as background context. And then two, I'm kind of playing an interesting role in this because I'm, you know, on the employee side, but then also collaborating with Jason, you know, as we continue to build and grow the team. So I will speak to kind of my experience uh, under Jason's vision and then also how he and I are collaborating on this moving forward because we are not slowing down and the hiring uh, is not slowing down either. <laughs> nope. <laughs> Sweet. So. Let's start first. So building a modern marketing team, I think that really depends about, we already started the depends counter. It <laughs> really, uh, the role of marketing will inform the type of marketing team that you build out. So whether yeah. it's sales led, product led, marketing led, whatever you want to call it. Like, what are your thoughts on that? Because I think the role of marketing tells a whole lot about the company and the type of people that you need on your team. Yeah, that's a great place to start because that is going to dictate a lot of things, the size of your team, how fast you build it, who you put on that team. So, you know, sales led a lot of, a lot of companies in our space, B2B SaaS companies um, are sales led to start. And it's, you know, the founder has relationships. They maybe had some other companies already. The founding sales members are seasoned salespeople, and they've got people that they bring into the fold that they've sold to before at other places. And you can really bootstrap a company to like, I mean, probably to 10 or more million dollars easily um, with just sales and like without even hiring a marketer yet. And I'm seeing some companies like that, um, like Mutiny, I think, um, you know, talking to those guys they're really just starting their like paid full marketing motion now. So they've really grown, you know, to where they've been through sales and like, you know, C-level relationships. And then if you're product led, that actually means you need different people in the team because and we can get into this later maybe, but you know, it's a much more it's like a volume game, you know? And so like the volume game is much different than, you know, if I'm selling something that's $100,000 a year. And so with those things, you structure it differently. And then marketing led, if you're like, okay, we're going to win this thing with marketing and it's not product led and it's more of like a traditional B2B, then you're, you know, you're structuring it in a different way there too. 
and then there's there's community led, which is a new one as well. And so um, all these different led motions will require a different makeup of a marketing team. All I heard was that marketers are really good at complicating team structures. But uh, <laughs> no, I think there's a, a important distinction between all of those. So next question for you. When you were you know, evaluating metadata as an employee, did you know what team structure you were kind of anticipating that you would need to build out? And I'm curious, is that the same team structure that we're building out today? <laughs> That's a good question. So I didn't have any idea what I was doing really when I first started or like what roles I would need. But based on my experience in ops and analytics, you know, my mind first went to operators, performance marketers, like math people, you know? And so, um, and so I thought like, we're going to, we're going to, we're going to performance marketing our way into this thing is really what I thought. Um, and no, that's definitely not the structure. Um, you know, that we ended up having, I, you know, hiring you first was a combination basically of like ops and brand basically. And so, um, that was a, that was a good for me, like, a a wedge into, you know what I mean? Like the, uh, the non ops roles and, you know, really starting to think about the importance of those and pretty quickly, honestly, like my mindset shifted coming into this role from a, Hey, you can really grow a company in this space. Now you can do this in other spaces, but like in our space, I was thinking, man, you can really grow a company on features, benefits, and performance marketing. And it's been a learning exercise for me these last almost two years now. Cause it's like, no, we would not have, we would not be winning if that was the main focus. Um, and so anyway, we're not talking about that in this episode, but that guided a lot of, you know, the later decisions, you know, that we made. So we'll actually cover part of that in the next little section of this with first few hires. So I'm glad that you mentioned it, but I was going to stop you. So you didn't uh, take too much of our thunder. So I think the, uh, the next question that I would ask is your vision for this marketing team. What is your vision? Because I think we'll anchor a lot of the, the remaining parts of this combo around that. Yeah. So my vision was really based on a lot of the experiences that I had being sold and marketed to in my other role. So like most of the time, like director of marketing ops and stuff, you're not getting a lot of sold to when you're at smaller companies, but when you're like VP of marketing ops at a big company, that's like, like everything is like coming at you. And I realized to that time, it was like the kind of marketing that worked on me. And I wanted to basically do that. And there wasn't a lot of companies doing that. You know, it was like maybe one out of 10 that I would engage with were like at that level where I was like, oh, I'm actually enjoying the marketing and selling process. You know, it's not like, I'm not like, you know, stiff arming and like trying to dodge, you know, and like, it was like, yes, this is fun and interesting. And that's what I wanted for us here. I wanted to replicate that experience that I had, those good experiences that I had. And so really it was, honesty, authenticity, um, transparency, and realizing kind of like everything on social media, like most people just talk about all the wins and like everything that they're doing right. And like, oh, my, my series A and blah, blah, blah. And then you don't hear about the things that don't go right. And I personally 
if you tell me the things that are going right and going wrong, that just builds so much more trust with me because I'm like, you're real. Nobody's perfect, so you're real now. And I just wanted to replicate that through the marketing that we did. And I wanted it to have personality, you know? And so I wanted it to have like, even though I was coming at it from the ops standpoint, I really wanted personality with it. Because again, that was the, the stuff I had seen and engaged with had personality. And so, you know, trying to come up with a brand framework that described ourselves, you know, in like a witty, nerdy, you know, trustworthy, responsible, you know, kind of uh, person, you know, give personality to it. And so, um, yeah, and then I wanted to be marketing led. Like I wanted to really say this company is being driven through marketing primarily. And so, yeah, that was kind of my, I guess, early vision. Just so everyone knows that Jason is not full of shit, everything that you just said, Jason, I actually looked at that original brand doc that you put together from sometime in 2019, and a lot of those points still hold very true today. So I think it's a testament to the vision that you had and that we've been you know, sticking to uh, as we continue to hire and grow the team. So that is pretty nice. cool. Nice. So you've got the the vision. Now, how do you translate that vision into which roles that you need to hire for, like, what are the types of things that you're considering, you know, when you need uh, somebody like myself? So this will be funny because we're going to talk about me here. <laughs> what, what were you looking for in the first hire? Well, so I was really looking for like a right-hand person and it's a, not a weird way to say it, but like, I was really looking for like a partner. Actually, that's a better way to describe it. I was looking for a partner. And that's what I call you. I call you my marketing partner. You know, it's like when I describe like who Mark is, it's like, Mark doesn't work, you know, yes, you work for me, but like you're my marketing partner in this. Um, and so that's what I was looking for. I was literally looking for somebody where, you know, we could build this thing together and, you know, like just be fully like what's going right, what's not going right. And, you know, build a relationship too and a way of working together that in my mind, it was like, we become a team and like that team moves, you know what I mean? So I was really, and you know that because that's how I talked to you about it in the interview process was like, I'm looking for somebody to do this with now and to do it with again and again, you know, because I like that. I like that long-term like camaraderie, partnership, because um, I'm just my own person. I have my own, you know, like experiences, et cetera. And so um, sharing that with somebody or having somebody to like, you know, really get into it with and, you know, and that has parts that I don't have, you know what I mean? And that was really the most important thing was bringing on, okay, I'm good at these things. I'm not good at these things. So let me bring somebody in that's better at me at these things than I am. Um, and I think that's an important thing to really, really think about when you're hiring as a leader is you want to hire people that are better than you. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like don't, and this is more older school, but like some managers, like they really want to put their thumb, you know, and like make sure they know everything, like they're on top of everybody. No, like that's not like to me, that's, that's just, that's just lame. I don't have a better word for it. That's so bad, but it's 8am, I guess I get, I get pass on lame, <laughs> but you know, that's, um, you, yeah. Why, why wouldn't I surround myself with people that are better at me at these things? Otherwise I would just do them. You know what I mean? If I'm better than you at these, then I'll just do it, you know? So, um, so that was really for your hire. Like when I was thinking about you, that was like all the things. And then I almost fucked it up, but we don't, we won't talk about, we don't have to talk about that, but like resiliency, that was the other thing that I really needed because I knew like, 
I'm pretty disorganized. I'm not, you know, and I'm like, I don't have anybody around me helping me like I have at these other companies where I have like, I had an EA or, you know, like a marketing coordinator. Well, hold on, Jason, how big was your marketing ops teams at Tableau? It was 70 people. Like it was 70 yeah. people. Yeah, not, it was ridiculous. Not 70 at metadata. So just yeah. so people have context. <laughs> Hopefully never. Like, yeah, I'm like not. <laughs> yeah. Or I'll be a part of that cog. I'll be a cog in that wheel. Yeah, that's a lot of people. So I guess the next question here is you mentioned a couple things as you're looking for in that interview process. So when you're looking for a partner or even some of those first few hires, like how do you vet that as you're trying to meet and find the right people? To me, it's like it's the relationship building. Um, even still to this day, uh, you know, I've been hiring people for 20 plus years and I still don't, I really don't have like a set process, which is probably bad. I probably should. I honestly, I should, but I don't. Um, a lot of it is gut, you know, and we'll talk about diversity here in a little bit. So when you just use your gut, that'll often steer you like narrowly into non like people that are just like you. Um, but I knew like the first couple of hires kind of had to be that way because I wanted to have that like real gel and just like really right out of the gate, you know, like just we have the same like and like you and I share a lot of the same thinking around like the crappiness of, B2B, you know what I mean? Just like attribute, just like all these like ridiculous things. Yeah, the principles. And so we we saw eye to eye on that. And that was, you know, that was really what I was, you know, what I needed. Somebody that like. Yeah, you just got, you know, you get each other. And uh, um, yeah, I don't know. So let's talk roles here. So for, you know, the, the second role that you hired being my role and then some of the other roles that we hired for in time, did you know that those were the roles that you wanted to hire for? Or I guess, how did you get to, you know, this is the exact profile and role that I need? Yeah. Um, no. I didn't, but I think it's interesting. It kind of, it starts to surface, it, it starts to surface itself. Um, and it does that by like, okay, you and I are doing everything. Okay, if we're doing everything, all disciplines in marketing, then what are the areas that we're not great at and or don't have a passion around? And or I guess the last one is taking up a fuck ton of our time, you know? Um, and it's maybe not the most valuable use of the time. So really you have an idea at the start, but then you get to that point where you're like, okay, we're actually way overloaded right now. And you start to be, you're, you're, once you get to that overloaded part, you're able to see more clearly like, okay, what are the roles that we need that are really going to free us up so that like you and I can then focus on the things that we are, you know, good at. Um, and so, yeah, I didn't, I didn't know, but it kind of, it, it started to shape itself. And then you and I would talk quite a bit, you know? Um, and we usually saw pretty eye to eye and you actually influenced me on several, uh, uh, probably two, at least, I think, you know, of the hires where I wasn't even thinking about it and you just made a case and it was just like very clear to me. It was like, yeah, that makes sense. Let's do that next. So let's talk through that because I think that's a really interesting part of this combo of once you get to that point where you're feeling like you're overworked, I'm overworked, we need an additional role. How did we go about that process? And we can kind of riff on this for a bit. Which, sorry, which part? Like uh, getting like approval the, for like, them or getting uh, to the actual people? Uh, I'd say we'll, we'll kind of break it up into three parts. So the first really is you and I 
debating makes it sounds like it was way too formal, <laughs> but you and I kind of riffing on what that next role should be. And maybe yeah. one of the roles that I had to convince you on before you were fully bought in. Yeah. Um, I think what we did is I think we both came, like we both put like, this is what we think should be next. And I think that we came together then and we like, Hey, are we aligned here? And I don't remember exactly where we were. I'm sure we were probably on on a couple of we'll roles. See how good our, we'll see how good our memory is here, but yes. <laughs> maybe off on a couple of them. But the, the, I mean, you've kind of influenced me on three roles. I mean, Justin's, con, you know, the content role was, I don't feel like you had to influence me on that. I feel like that one, we were like, this needs to be the next one. And you found, you know, you found Justin through outbounding, um, which I'm sure we'll talk about either this or another episode. But um, the customer marketing manager and the product marketing manager. I think for me, the customer marketing manager was easier because it was like, oh yeah, we have a company goal actually of NRR. And so that was like, okay, I could make that, that was easier. But the product marketing manager, I was like, that I think if maybe you agree or not, but I think that was the one that you really had to influence me more on. Um, because again, mainly because that was one of the roles I was furthest from, you know, in all my ops years. It was just like, you don't really, you don't support product marketing, you know, in ops. So you don't really ever, you know, you don't really meet with them that much. So I honestly had very little idea what product marketing, I mean, I had the, you know, the high level I could talk about it, but like, I had no real idea, like what they really do, you know? And so that's the one where, but then again, you know, I don't think, tell me if you agree, did you have to do too much convincing or was it pretty much kind of like, was it pretty easy? Was it just like, Hey, this is, this is why. And did we, I can't remember. Yep. So to take one step back, how we've gone about this is you and I, I don't know if we've done this intentionally, but this is kind of how it shaked out. And I think it's been working so far. We've had a conversation every couple months about what are the next five hires that we want to make, whether we have approval for those five hires or not, but it just constantly yep. thinking where we are today as a, a marketing team and as a company, what our goals are, where we're strapped and what we need to, to get us to where we need to be. And we've done this probably two or three times at this point. And I think in each of those conversations, let's just say there's five roles each time. I think we were totally in sync on three out of the five roles every single time. And there's always been two roles where I've had different roles that you've had, and that's where we kind of debate this a little bit. Yep. It was less me persuading you, and I think more educating you because it was uh, like for the product marketing role, it was just something that you hadn't hired for yep. before, and it was something yep. that was unfamiliar like to you. So when we had these conversations, I was just showing you what good product marketing looks like, <laughs> what the roles and responsibilities entail, and what we're not getting to today, and more importantly, the timing of when you hire someone to you know, lead product marketing. So that was not really a, a tough conversation because I think you're very reasonable at the end of the day, but it was really just presenting facts. And as soon as you yeah. saw that, it kind of seemed like a slam dunk. Yeah. Yeah. That's what it felt like to me too. It didn't, I didn't feel like it was, I didn't feel like I was talked into it and like had buyer's remorse or anything afterwards, you know, <laughs> it was like, oh yeah, this is, yeah, it makes sense. And I fully support it, you know, and then Gil always challenges me, you know, on every role, he's like, tell me exactly why you need, you know, why do you want this role? I mean, not in a, you know, like hard way, but just, he just, he wants to know that I am convicted about it. You know what I mean? And that I've really thought through like, why is that the next role and what are they going to be able to do for us? And he's really more interested in like, how is that role going to free up our time? You know, he's always asking that too, but, um, but yeah, it was, uh, and for me, you know, Alex just started, but I already know 
like I, well, I, I don't even question. Like I already know the benefit we're going to get from that. Um, because our product, honestly, is like, is really amazing. <laughs> you know what I mean? So like, and we're just doing, we're kind of shortchanging it. We're doing great marketing, but like we have short, we've shortchanged it in terms of like how we present it to the community. So let's get into the last part of your first few hires. So this is a big topic and I'll try to time box this, but hiring generalists versus specialists. Mm. When are you looking for generalists and when do you start to look for specialists? Yeah. And this is an interesting one because this then kind of harkens back to my older days where I had these bigger teams and everyone was a specialist, like almost too much, you know, and that you get a team of that size and you're, you really do feel like a cog in the wheel. You're like, oh, I'm like, I'm taking papers from the customers and I'm walking into the engineers, you know, it's just like, that's all you do. And, but in a early, you know, in an early stage startup, you need more generalists. I mean, but I was looking for people that had a specialty, but then could generally, you know, generally had a good head on their shoulders first, like intelligent, uh, open-minded, um, and maybe some like ability to talk through and understand how the functions work together. Um, but yeah, it's an interesting cause I, cause we do need specialization. You can't be all generalists. I mean, I think you and I are pretty generalists, but we also both have, you know, our specialty areas too. Um, so yeah, I think when you're early on, it's more generalists and you're really looking for, this has been what's been interesting to me, hiring at a startup versus hiring at a more established company is honestly the type of people that you get to apply or that you actually want to apply for the roles. Like there is actually a difference in personality in some ways, in the way you think about working on people that are looking for jobs at these big, big companies versus people that are looking for jobs or really interested in the startup thing. And that's what was, I think, challenging for me is understanding what does that good look like on the startup side? Because I'm used to like, what does good look like on the more traditional side, but what does good look like on that side? And so, um, and it, what it really is, it's like, you, you're looking past what they can do specifically. You know what I mean? It's like, okay, great, you're good at this. Checkbox. Now what? You know, do you have this? Are you resilient? Can you onboard yourself? You know, can you, um, and you're also pretty junior because that's kind of what we can afford. And that's, you know, what people are, and honestly, like a lot of the good up and coming people. So you're looking for up and coming people too that have the capability. So now you're hiring for capability a lot more than you're hiring for like what they've done and their experience. And that actually, that's, that's challenging. For sure. And I think one of the things that we've learned uh, and have really focused on too is you will attract the type of people that you um, get based on what's in the job description. And I think mm. we've been uh, incredibly yeah. collaborative about what goes into the job descriptions and vetting that because you can tell a whole lot about a company and a marketing leader and a marketing team and what you're walking into based on how unrealistic that job description is. So we are very, very clear about the, the soft skills that we're looking for, the types of things that we're expecting people will come in and own and what success looks like. And I feel much stronger about that because then there really aren't any surprises when somebody comes in day one, day 30, <laughs> 60, yeah. 90, you name it, because they know what they're walking into. Yeah, totally. And also the JD, job, sorry, the job description, helps us show the kind of personality that we want to, you know? So I think probably in my ops job description, I said something like, you don't believe in attribution, you know, or something just like that just gets something like, oh, wait, wait, 
they're trying to hire somebody in ops that doesn't believe in attribution, like, oh, you know, it gets people to think and they can kind of showcase some of your company personality and the department's personality too. So we've got, you know, some of these first few hires in mind, we're making these hires, then you have to build out and structure a team. So how do you approach structuring the metadata marketing team and what are the types of things that you're thinking of? Yeah, I mean, I haven't thought a lot about this. I do know that I don't want a deep hierarchical organization. And so, you know, you've got people that work for you. I have people that work for me. That's probably it for a little while, you know. Um, and maybe that's normal at startups. I don't know. But like, that's just... And also, even when we, even if we get a little deeper at some point, just because of the numbers of people, the importance is like that it doesn't feel that way. You know what I mean? So like the structure, I always want the structure to be like, oh, I don't care where you report or where you work. There's just clean and clear lines of communication up, down, sideways, everywhere. Um, and everybody talks to each other as if they were colleagues, not like, oh, you're my boss, so let me like you know, make this, you know, let me put spin on this. So, you know, let me make it shinier than it is, you know? And so, um, but the structure, you know, I haven't thought a lot about it. You know, I just know that I don't want it to be super deep. I want to have, I want to hire specialists in the discipline areas. And then I want to grow the teams around them. So every person we've hired, none of them are directors yet, but I've told them, I said, I don't want to hire a You're buddy. lying. You're lying because you have thought about this. This is your plan. So keep going. <laughs> I guess I have. Uh, yeah, I guess I have. Um, I want to build around the people that we hired first, you know, and so even if they aren't quite ready yet for that, that's our job. Okay, let's get you ready for that because, um, yeah, I mean, I just, I'm bringing you in early for a reason. You know, I see like a lot of promise in you around this discipline area. So let's build it around you. Um, and that might, that might not always happen. You know what I mean? There might be one disciplinary, like, okay, not quite. Might have to hire somebody here. But when we do that, we'll talk to that. You know what I mean? It'll be like very clear. But that's really, you know, and then I think the structure and then also considering like what is good for agencies versus, you know, what do we really need to hire Stop from an FTE. Stop. That's just a structure piece. <laughs> I won't get too deep reading, into it. You're reading ahead. <laughs> We're going to talk about that. <laughs> but that is, you know, that is one of the considerations. You know what I mean? For like the structure is like, which of those will be and which won't. Um, so those are the things I'm thinking about when I'm thinking about structure. But yeah. So one thing I want to add about structure, and this is from my process interviewing with you, and I think what you and I talked about, in addition to how I interview candidates and what I talk about with them. So we've our North star for a lot of this is we want people that we hire to use this as a launching pad for their career. And yeah. we want them to have opportunities that they wouldn't get elsewhere. It requires a lot of hard work. It requires, you know, dedication, a whole bunch of things. We're not just giving you these opportunities on a silver platter, but we want you to look at your time at metadata as yep. I helped build out that marketing team. I helped build out that function. Like we're trying to hire for future, you know, CMOs down the line. So I think I'm yeah. very clear about that with candidates. You were very clear about that with me. And we want people to, you know, graduate on to bigger and better things in time. And I think we've been open and honest about that. Like I know there yeah. are going to be times very quickly here where 
emerging B2B SaaS companies are trying to poach the directors from metadata's marketing team because they are looking for that next leader and that's the type of team that we want to build here. Yep. Yeah. Um, yeah. I don't really have anything to add. Yeah, exactly. So let's get into headcount because I think a lot of people are always wondering how many marketers should I have at what stage, you know, uh, of the company at ARR, you know, you tell me. So how are you looking at the headcount that you think you need at a given time? Yep. And what factors are you considering? Yeah, this is an interesting one because I don't have a formula. Um, when I was in ops, I used to have a formula. It was like, hey, every eight hires you make in marketing, we get one ops head. That's easy, you know, um, and then I get to decide where that goes. But here it's I don't know. But here's kind of some of the things that I've been thinking about. <clears throat> Excuse me. Um, ask for the resources way before you actually think you need them. So that was one of my, I think, Achilles heels is these people we just hired, I probably could have got approval for a couple of months beforehand. I just didn't really know. And so always be thinking like maybe 25 to 30 to 50% higher than what you actually think. Um, that's negotiating, you know, but in terms of like, what do we actually need? The things I'm looking at is like our budgets can go way high, but if we don't have the people to spend that money, then it just falls flat. And so that's really where it comes down to is like, um, and, you know, an interesting ratio to look at, I would say, in marketing is if you're around 30, 30 to 40 percent headcount and the rest program spend and everything else, that's probably a decent, you know, like ratio. And so we're, we're kind of in that. So I'm always kind of looking at that ratio. But then when I'm asking for more spend, I also don't really know like, oh, hey, Jason, you know, to two and a half X the company again this year, how much money do you need? I'm like, I don't fucking know. Like. I could be anywhere from zero to $5 million. Like we could do one viral post that all of a sudden blows up and we get all kinds of demand for $0 or we can struggle and have to spend a 5 million. Like I don't, I don't, I have no idea. Gil don't listen to this or Jim, <laughs> but, <laughs> but we make it happen. So don't worry. <laughs> but, but that's really what I'm think I'm trying to think about is like, we need people to spend the money, you know, and like people to do things. It's really the people in marketing that's like making things happen, even though our, our impact is a lot bigger, right? So like we only have seven people in marketing that's driving $45 million of pipeline, right? Um, and so it's really like, you know, can you extend, you know, each of, those pe each of those people need to be able to extend themselves a little bit further, but you need people to spend the money. And in that program spend, the program spend that's that 70% can still be spent on agencies. So it's still kind of people related, but it's still considered program because it's not headcount. And so um, we spend a lot of money on people through contract, sorry, contract people. Um, and a lot of, most of them are freelance. We do work with two agencies as well on a longer term basis. But, you know, there's certain pieces that you just really have to think pretty hard about where agencies play and where they shouldn't. And it is a little bit like unique, it depends, but here's some things to think about. The first thing is, what information do you actually want to keep really inside your organization? Like, what's the stuff that's really important to like keep that internal knowledge? So in my mind, it's analytics. It's maybe demand gen, like the actual people coming up with the strategy. It's definitely like brand people, but no, not, not necessarily the creative producers, but like the person, the people like responsible for the brand. These are the roles that they're really important to how your company shows up 
and also the analytics, the reason for that is analysts just stick a lot of data in their brain and they're just better analysts over time given the same exact data. So you don't want to give that stuff externally because then it can go away way too easily and then you're basically starting from scratch. So that's kind of how I think about agencies to begin with. It doesn't mean that you don't have to plug a hole in those areas with agencies still every once in a while, but there should, in my experience, there should always be an internal person that really is there, understands it, knows it in those roles because the continuity of business is important there. Um, places where agencies, I think, can really shine, creative. Because when you're really starting out, creative is disciplinarian. <laughs> That's the worst word. You got video people, you've got people that are good with copy, you've got people that are good with just animations, you've got people that, you know what I mean? So you've got all these different kind of disciplines, producers, editors, and then also the people that are just like coming up with the actual creative ideas. And if you had to hire for each of those people within your org, it could be a lot, you know what I mean? A lot of overhead costs just to get those disciplines right when a good creative agency can take those concepts. It'll take a couple months, right, to get on board and stuff like anybody, but that and creative changes enough where it's like you don't have to have that person inside the company forever you know to keep that going so um so anyway i think that's kind of the things around agencies just to think about you know and also i think the last thing on agencies it should never be a long-term strategy so like if your strategy is like we're always going to use agencies in this area i think that's wrong because like an agency i'm sorry agencies i love you an agency will never do as good of a job for you as, an, as your own FTE. I mean, just think about it. They're shared with five to 10 other clients. They don't get a bonus when you do better. You know what I mean? There's just so much. It's not the agency's fault. The agencies are great. They have great people. We work with some great ones. But it's just not a long-term. It shouldn't be a long, anyone's long-term strategy. So I'm going to push back a little bit, and I would say specifically on creative agencies, because I think... Uh, having worked at a company that had a really, really badass creative team, they're looking for variety in their work. And I think outside experience and perspective of working with other clients in some ways can bring you better ideas because they're testing things out in other places. So yeah. um, That's a good point. we'll cross that bridge when we get to it. But I think uh, for us, uh, creative, especially in B2B, and we work with Alger uh, and his agency, we have no problem shouting them out, but it's you need a fresh perspective. And I think it, it's easy to get uh, lost in your own, uh, you know, internal <laughs> creative, uh, you know, thinking, if you will, if you're not looking outside, but I totally yeah. agree with everything that you said. Yeah. So uh, we've got a little bit of time left. There's one big point that I want to talk through and then we'll get to some Q and A. So we could do another episode or probably even a, a series on this topic, but <laughs> diversity and yeah. yep how important that is when building out teams and not just trying to hire people who think and look and sound exactly like you. So how are you approaching that as you're building out the marketing team at Metadata? Yeah, um, this is a great topic. Um, and I'll be very transparent about this one. So it's like I mentioned earlier, it's very easy to hire people that are just like you because you just immediately click. You're like, oh, I get you, you get me. But the reality is, you're homogeneous. You're like in this narrow space with that person. And there's all this stuff out on the periphery that you're neither of you are doing, experiencing, thinking. So for me, really the diversity is the diversity in thought, 
But the diversity in thought often comes with diversity in the person. You know what I mean? So different cultures, different whatever, genders, everything. Um, and so what I've realized in my career is the importance of it is really that thinking, you know, and really getting yourself outside of the box and outside of your kind of standard way of thinking. And this is, I'll tell you a really quick story that really drove this home to me. I was at a leadership offsite at Workfront and they organized us by tables. And it was a pretty big leadership team, like 40 some odd people. So there was enough people, you know, we had like five people at each table and we had no idea really how we were organized. The challenge was, it was a Lego exercise. There was a Lego man built behind this curtain. And one team member at a time could go behind the curtain, look at it, make notes. Actually, no, they couldn't make notes there. They had to just look at it. Then they came back to the table and they could make notes, you know, real quick. And then the team at the table had to try and build that Lego exactly like, and it was not easy. It wasn't like five fucking pieces. You know what I mean? It was probably like 50 pieces in like different places. And you were timed. And so like, basically when you said, okay, you had 30 minutes to do this back and forth, but you could start anytime. You could start, you were timed how long it took you from the time you started to build till you were done. And the times were so varied. It was everything from like seven minutes to like 25 minutes. And at the end of the, at the end of the episode, at the end of the exercise, they said, guess what? We organized your tables based on your, like the Myers-Briggs, you know, responses. You know, those like tests, those like personality tests. We organized you by those results. And I swear to God, the order of the timing was the most diverse team at the top, had the best time, and then on down to like the least diverse. And the people running the exercise said, this happens every single time. And so that was honestly what it did it for me. Like just really solidified what I'd already kind of experienced. And it was like, my God, like this is amazing that it actually works out this way. And in such a much faster amount of time, I was like puzzled. Like how did we get, how, we did bad. Like my team was like 13 or 14 minutes, but yeah. So that really, like it was just drove it home. It was like, and then just having experiences where I've been changed or molded or impressed by somebody that's completely different from me and that's changed my thinking. And so, um, and then everything from that to the, the, the team itself, you know, if you just have a bunch of like all white males on the team, that's just, that's just weird, first of all. But then, you know, like what, what are you missing out on? You know what I mean? Really, I think is what it comes down to. Um, so yeah, I don't know. Um, that's, I feel super strongly about it. And honestly, when we went through this last round, we were hiring four new people. You and I talked about specifically, like this cannot be all white dudes. You know what I mean? And, and it's not, thank God. You know what I mean? Um, and still today, I think in B2B SaaS, you get a majority of your applicants are probably going to be white males. Um, and so you have to, I think it was important for us to have that conversation and not just like both of us be thinking behind the scenes or like, you know, cause I know we both be thinking like, Hey, this can't be all white male team. And so actually having that conversation and it's okay to have that conversation, you know, cause it's an important, and you're not doing it to check a box. Like this isn't the fucking Rooney rule, which I just learned about <laughs> last week. That so, really isn't a rule cause it's not followed. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So like you're not doing it to check a box. You have to, and, and so if you're doing it to check a box, just don't do it. Only do it if you really believe in it. I dig it. So two things. One, a comment. It sounded like you were getting competitive in that offsite uh, little exercise. 
does that uh, have any influence on how competitive you were in the escape room a couple weeks ago with some of the new hires? <laughs> Jeff, I love escape rooms. Jason was like a 12-year-old boy and was just coordinating everything and was so into it. It was. Amazing. I love escape rooms. <laughs> no, I don't know why. I've only done like three now, and I'm like, this is actually fun. So, yeah, more escape rooms <laughs> in my future. <laughs> and then uh, last thing. So we'll do one question just because we've uh, – this has been awesome, but we've gone a little bit over on time. So this is a, a big open-ended question, so maybe just run through a couple things. You've run teams and inherited teams before mm. at very large companies, and this is the first time that you've built out a team from scratch at a – when you joined, it was seed stage startup, I believe, at Metadata. Yep. What are you know maybe the top two or three things that you've learned now two and a half-ish years in the Metadata? Yeah, that's a good one. Because um, when you inherit a team, you don't get to uh, qualify them based on like how you like what you really want in the team so you kind of have to be okay and i'm not a scorched earth guy so i i don't come in and like everybody that's not like what i want you're out uh you know ever i never i'm not like that at all um some people are but it really it's what i love about what we're doing now and just hiring every role brand new it's a brand new role we've never done it before here at metadata is when we're interviewing I can, we can just really set the stage of like, hey, this is what you're getting into. This is what you're going to do, but this is the payoff. You know, and we just really be fully transparent and honest about like what we think this experience is going to be. It's going to be really, really good for you, but it's going to be really, really challenging. And I even say things like, hey, I'm going to slack you at nine o'clock at night, probably fairly often. I need you to be okay with that. Like that's the kind of, and if you're not, that's okay. You know what I mean? Like, but let's talk about that now. And that's the biggest difference for me is, honestly, the beauty is, it's almost like I have a contract with everybody that I brought in. You know what I mean? Because it's like, we've already talked about this. So if something doesn't happen, then it gives us the ability to like, just have that conversation. Because, hey, we talked about this when you were coming in. Or, hey, this is what the expectation was when you were coming in. So let's make sure we're getting to that. Versus when you're inheriting people, you have no idea what that contract was, what to expect from that person. And it's just a lot harder. So this is actually, it's been a challenge because again, I haven't done it before. Like you mentioned, um, the net new roles I would hire in ops roles were incremental hires or replacements. Um, and then also I think this one is challenging again because I'm hiring for roles that I've never hired before ever. Um, and so that adds another element into it just in terms of like, how do you hire for a role that you don't know that you're not an expert in? <laughs> so that's been kind of fun too. Well, awesome. For those that are still listening right now, we actually did a quick audible before we recorded this episode this morning. So we broke this out into three episodes. So to give you a sneak peek at the two other episodes that will be coming in time, we'll go deep on our hiring process and how we came up with it, how it's changed and how it will continue to change. And then I think another very important topic for everyone out there is just scaling a marketing team. It's something that we are doing right now. We're learning along the way, learning some things that are painful, uh, learning some things that are great, but we figured we probably could talk about all this stuff for hours. So we made the audible at the line and we're gonna break this out into a few different episodes that we're definitely excited about. So thank you again for listening. Make sure to subscribe to Demand Gen U. You know where to find us on LinkedIn to suggest other topics that you want us to cover or questions that you have. And we'll see you next time. Thanks everybody.
Thanks so much for listening to this episode of Demand Gen U. If you want to hear more, make sure to subscribe to get future episodes. You can also submit a specific topic you want us to talk about by DMing us on LinkedIn. If you like the show or want to share feedback, please leave us a review. It'll help us keep improving and get the word out to other marketers just like you. This podcast is brought to you by Metadata, the first demand generation platform that launches paid campaigns that self-optimize to revenue. If you're looking for a tool that makes it easier for you to build audiences, launch paid campaigns, and experiment at scale, you'll love Metadata. B2B marketers at Zoom, Okta, and ThoughtSpot use Metadata to automate the time-consuming parts of running paid campaigns so they can focus on the things that matter.